My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And today, we're going to be thinking about one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to the human race, and that is the gift of our memory, the ability to recall things and remember things that have happened in the past. Did you know that one of the ways to strengthen your faith when you're going through problems and facing difficulties is to think back on times in your life when you had a problem or you faced a challenge and you didn't see any way in the world that God could get you through that, and yet God did get you through. He met that need, He answered that prayer, and He took care of you in the past. There's something about remembering yesterday's miracles that gives us courage and confidence and hope today and even as we look into the future. And so whatever it is that you might be facing today in your life and in your family, I pray that this simple sermon will help you to face that confidence with more courage and boldness by reflecting, remembering, recalling God's faithfulness to you in the past. I pray this sermon will be a blessing to you. How many of you would say that you have a good memory? Would you just raise your hand? How many of you would say your memory is not as good as it was 15 years ago? Raise your hand. You know, some of you didn't vote. You don't remember what it was like 15 years ago. In my life, it's amazing to me how many times I remember what I should forget and I forget what I should remember. When I was probably 10 years old, one summer, my brother and I had gone to Georgia to visit my grandparents. And I never will forget, we were out in his front yard doing some uh, well, he was working in the yard, and we were kind of assisting him a little bit, and they had had some crime in that neighborhood really bad. Some houses had been broken into, and he and my grandmother lived on the end of the street, and so he kind of took it as his responsibility to try to figure out who the bad guy was. Well, one day we were out working in the yard, and this suspicious-looking car drove by, and my granddad, we called him Big Pop, looked at that car and he said, boys, that car just doesn't look quite right. And he said, I'm going to get the license plate off that car and we're going to see what this is all about. And so he looked at the license plate and I never will forget. Now, this is back in the 1970s. He looked up to me and he said, Jonathan, I want you to remember this. He was a Marine. So he put fear of God in me that I was supposed to remember what he said. He said, I want you to remember that man's license plate number. I said, well, what is it? He said, G-A-Z, 915. He said, lock it in your mind. And so I locked it in my mind, and we finished working in the yard. And then after the car drove off, we went inside, and he called the police and, and uh, reported that. And I think that was the uh, guy that was the bad guy. My granddad caught the bad guy. I'm 90% sure on that. I can't remember that part of the story. Not until I'm talking about memory. But I think that's right, that, that we, we caught him. But here we are 35 or 40 years later, and I think if I could ever forget G-A-Z 915, maybe I could remember where I parked at H-E-B. But somehow my mental part of my brain is locked in with that, and I, I, I'm remembering what I ought to forget, and sometimes I forget what I ought to remember. Tonight, I want to talk to you about something that you ought to always remember, and that is the miracles that God has worked in your life. If you believe in miracles, say amen. I know you do. A miracle is simply a supernatural event. That's what a miracle is. And if you look that word up in the dictionary, that's what it's going to say, a supernatural event. Now, we've been studying through the Gospel of John, 
And as we have said, in that gospel, there are seven primary miracles. And I want to give you a way tonight that you can remember those miracles uh, numerically and real easily. If you can remember the numbers two, four, five, six, six, nine, and 11, you can remember all those miracles. I'm going to say that again. Two, four, five, six, six, nine, 11. You think you can remember those, those seven numbers? Let's try it. Two, four, five, six, six, nine, 11. Say it by yourselves. I'm going to see how you do without me coaching you along. Ready? Go now. You say, well, now, John, why is that so important? Because those numbers that you just quoted are the chapters in John's gospel where those seven miracles take place. And so if you can remember the chapter and you're vaguely familiar with the gospel of John, then you know the seven miracles in John's gospel. You know that in chapter two, Jesus turned the water into wine. In chapter four, Jesus healed the nobleman's son. In chapter five, Jesus healed the paralyzed man at Bethesda who had not been able to walk in 38 years. You know that in chapter six, Jesus fed the multitude with five pieces of bread and two fish. Also in that chapter, he walked on the water. You know that in chapter nine, he healed the man who had been born blind. And you know, in chapter 11, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So if you can remember two, four, five, six, six, there are two miracles in chapter six, nine and 11, you have those seven miracles. And so I would encourage you when you're studying the Bible, reading the Bible, look for little devices, little tricks like that, and it will help you to lock it in your mind. Now, if you're a teacher or a Sunday school teacher, connection group leader, or a school teacher, you know what it's like to teach a lesson. I, as a preacher, know what it's like to preach a sermon. And when it's over with, to go home and to say to yourself, if I could do that one over again, I would do it a little bit differently. I would say this, I would leave this out, I would add this in. That's just part of teaching. You're always learning and trying to figure out how to do it better. Well, the last two Sunday mornings before today, I preached on two of those miracles. I preached about Jesus feeding the multitudes, and then I preached about Jesus walking on the water across the Sea of Galilee. Now, as I look back on those two sermons, I don't know that I would do a lot different in those sermons But there is a truth that I didn't bring out that, to be honest with you, I had not even thought about in preparing those sermons. But as I thought about what would be an appropriate message for this Mother's Day Sunday night, I think what I'm going to show you tonight is so important that it is worth slowing down and thinking back to those two miracles in John chapter 6, where Jesus fed the multitudes, and then where Jesus walked across that storm on the Sea of Galilee, because I want to drive a point home into your mind tonight, and hopefully into your heart, and that is this, yesterday's miracle should give us courage for today and hope for tomorrow. All of us have experienced the miracles of God in our lives. If you're saved, you have already experienced the greatest miracle that you'll ever experience, and that is you have received Jesus Christ. But even after we've been saved, we continue to experience supernatural events, divine intervention, answers to prayer, and God gives us those miracles and those blessings 
for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is so that they can strengthen our faith as we move forward and go through other times in life that are maybe not quite as easy. Now, if you have your bulletin tonight, I'd like to just go ahead and give you what are the three main points of this sermon tonight, and we'll just kind of get that out of the way right off the bat. First of all, yesterday's miracle, as you think about your life, your salvation experience, as you think about needs that God has met in your life, maybe you've been healed physically, maybe God met some financial need, maybe God restored some relationship, God did some miraculous thing in your life, and I'm just calling that yesterday's miracle. First of all, that should make us thankful for past blessings. So many verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of having a thankful heart and giving thanks to God. So as we reflect and think back to yesterday's miracles, they should make us thankful. Number two, yesterday's miracles should give us confidence in today's storm. That's what I was saying a moment ago. One of the reason, reasons that God does miracles in our lives and answers prayers and meets needs and many times in supernatural and almost unexplainable ways is so that as we move forward in life and face other challenges and storms and difficulties that those past miracles will give us confidence in today's storm. And then number three, yesterday's miracles should give us hope for tomorrow's uncertainties. There's something about looking out into the future. And we wonder, what is it going to be like? What will my life look like 10 years from now? Where will I be 20 years from tonight? What will I be going through with that? And we look off into the future, and many times that can be a fearful or intimidating thought. But if we're, if we're smart, if we're wise, and if we remember what God has done for us in the past, there's something about looking back on those past blessings, those past answers to prayer that give us hope as we look out into the uncertainties of tomorrow. Now, I'd like for you to turn tonight to the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, Psalm 77. And I want to show you one verse that I think is absolutely fantastic and that helps us to see the importance of remembering. And as I said at the beginning, many times we're remembering things that we ought to forget. And we're forgetting things that we need to remember. And that's what I'm talking to us about tonight is to remember those things that God would have us to remember so that we can have a thankful heart, courage and confidence as we face challenges today, and then hope as we look to the uncertainties of tomorrow. Psalm 77 and look in verse 11. Listen to what the psalmist said. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. And so as the psalmist looked at his life and all the things that he was facing and the uncertainties of tomorrow, the problems of today, one of the things the psalmist did to strengthen his faith and to fill his heart with gratitude and also with hope, he said, I will remember the works of the Lord. Think about just that part of that verse. I will remember the works of the Lord. Say that with me. I will remember the works of the Lord. There's something about remembering. And I think that's, that's all included when the Bible talks about meditation and reflection and looking back and just thinking. It's that part of your time with God each day not the part when you're reading the scripture, not the part when you're praying for your family or praying for whomever you may be praying for, but it's that part of your prayer time 
Maybe driving to work, maybe walking in the park, it may be doing all number of, but it's that time when your mind is in neutral. And you're not really asking God to do anything, and you're not trying to remember some verse that you've learned, or for a guy like me, I'm not thinking about my next sermon or whatever I'm supposed to, no, we're just, our mind is in neutral, we're aware of God's presence, and we're just kind of thinking. And one of the things that we should think about is how good God has been to us in the past. All the, you know, what happens to us in life, I think, sometimes all of us get so consumed with what we're going through right now and what we might be going through in the future that we fail to remember what God has done for us in the past. And if you think about all through the Bible, when God performed a miracle, for example, in the Old Testament, He divided the Red Sea, and he led his children through on dry ground. Well, God did that for two reasons. Number one, or really for three reasons, so that he could bring his people through the Red Sea. Number two, so that he could drown the Egyptians. But number three, so that his people for the rest of their lives, and then as they pass that on to their kids and their grandkids, they could remember, hey, we came to a time in our life when we didn't have a good move. In other words, the Egyptian army was behind us. The Red Sea was in front of us. We couldn't turn to the left or right. We didn't have a move on the table. But God supernaturally made a way where there seemed to be no way, and we were able to pass through on dry ground. And so God performed that miracle so that for the rest of their lives, they could say, hey, remember when... when, Remember when we got in that mess and how God came through? And if God came through for us then, God's going to come through for us now. And so it is all the way through the Bible. God is meeting needs. God is doing things supernaturally so that his people can see whatever it is that I may face in life. The same God who saw me through back then is going to see me through now, and everything's going to be all right. Now, with all that said, are you still listening? Say amen. I wish you'd turn to the Gospel of Mark. Now, we could look at this in different Gospels tonight, but Mark's Gospel has some insights that I think are so very clear, and they're so very close together, that get back to those two sermons I preached. One, Jesus fed the multitude, and then Jesus walked on the storm in the Sea of Galilee. Now, remember, let's just go back and review what happened. After Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children, he said to his disciples, what I want you to do is get in this boat and go across the Sea of Galilee, go to this other place. And so he got him in the boat and he pushed him right across. And it was at evening time when that happened. Now, remember, for the Jewish people, a new day begins at evening time. That's the beginning of the next day. And so they're in their boat and they're sailing across and they got in the terrible storm and all that happened. And we've talked about that and you know how Jesus came walking to them on the water. Well, it's interesting. After Jesus fed that great multitude of people, the Bible says that there were how many basketfuls of food left over? There were 12. How many disciples were there? 12. Now there's not a verse in the Bible that says there were 12 basketfuls left over And so Jesus took those 12 basketfuls and gave gave them to his 12 disciples. There's not a verse that says that. But in my mind, I like to think that's what happened. I mean, it was the disciples who had been out there feeding all the people. And so now after that miracle is done, there's 12 basketfuls left over. I like to think in my sanctified imagination, which may be wrong, but I like to think that Jesus had those 
disciples, and he gave them each a basket full. And so in my mind, I can imagine the 12 disciples with their sack lunch, as it were, their basket full, and they're getting onto the boat, and they're sailing now across the Sea of Galilee, and undoubtedly, they're saying to each other, can you believe what Jesus just did? Here we were in the middle of the desert, or not really a desert, but in the middle on this hillside with all these people and only a little bit of food, and Jesus somehow multiplied that, fed all those people, and we have now more left over than we did when he started this miracle out. And so I like to imagine them in the boat, and they're sailing across, and they're talking about that, and they all have their sack lunch, and they get into this storm And then all the things go on. Now, in Mark chapter 6, I want you to see a very interesting verse, and it's verse 52. Because when they got out there in this storm, when they should have said, now, I know it's easier for me to say this on a pulpit tonight that's not rocking and it's not stormy up here and it's not dark and turbulent, but I mean, really, they should have out there in the middle of that storm said, wait a second, this same Jesus who just performed a first-class miracle by feeding all the multitude, he know, he's the one who sent us into this boat. He's the one who sent us into this storm. We know that somehow, one way or another, he's going to take care of us. But look what it says, Mark 6, 52. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And so there was something about that miracle, Jesus feeding all those people, that they did not fully understand. They understood that he gave, there was enough food. They didn't understand completely that that food represented Jesus. And they certainly didn't understand that that was supposed to be a faith booster, that that was supposed to be something to encourage them. And here they are, whether they, whether they had the sack lunches, the basketfuls or not, whether they had that tangible evidence of what God had done or not, they certainly had it in their minds. It had just happened a few hours before, and they had it in their hearts, and they should have been able to have said to themselves or to each other, wait a second, before we panic, let's remember that God has just performed a miracle. In fact, by this time, God had Perform, Jesus had performed several miracles, and they should have been able to say, he's taken care of us before, and he's going to take care of us again. You see, had they remembered that, had they just thought, maybe had they just looked at their lunch or even thought about what Jesus had done, they wouldn't have panicked. I read something the other day that I thought was so good. It was a, it was a good definition of faith, and it simply says this, faith is refusing to panic. That's what faith is. It is refusing to panic. Last Wednesday night, we're studying the armor of God. And last Wednesday night, I preached on the shield of faith. And this Wednesday night, I'm going to preach on the helmet of salvation, talking about controlling our thought lives. But the point of that definition I read, faith is refusing to panic. What that is saying is, as a child of God, you have control over what you think about. You have control over what you allow your mind to worry about. And as a child of God, you are not at the mercy of racing thoughts, uncontrolled circumstances, fear, panic, or any of that. You, as a child of God, 
have control over those things. And so it's like a horse. You have to tame your thoughts and you have to say, I choose not to be afraid. I choose not to panic because I know that God is with me. And I look back on my life and I see that God did this and then God did that. And God has seen me through this and God parted this Red Sea and God multiplied that food and God opened that door and God delivered me out of that lion's den and God saw him. And so what I'm saying is there's something about looking back thinking, remembering God's blessings in your own life that will bolster your faith today. But if you fail to remember, if all you do every day is get up, read your Bible, pray, and say, God, now you know what I'm facing today, and you're, you're, you're zoned in on this particular problem, and you're not looking back on his faithfulness in the past, you're going to have the same problem that the disciples had. You're going to panic out there in the storm. Whereas had they just remembered, Jesus just took care of us and he's given us these basketfuls. All we have to do is look at them to be reminded that he will always take care of us and he will always meet our needs. Now, turn a page or two to, John, to Mark, rather, Mark chapter 8. Just a page or two over, Mark chapter 8. Now, we know that in Mark chapter 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, in Mark's gospel, when he gets to chapter 8, we read about the feeding of the 4,000. Now, this is very interesting to me. And it says, Mark chapter 8 and in verse number 1, in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Now, think about what's happening. Just a few days earlier, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. Now we are with a slightly smaller crowd, 4,000 men, and Jesus says to his disciples, I'm feeling sorry for these people. They're hungry. They haven't eaten in days. If we don't give them something to eat, they're going to faint. Now, you would think, that Peter, Andrew, James, John, one of these disciples, Matthew, Thomas, somebody, Bartholomew, somebody would have spoken up and said, now, Jesus, just two chapters ago, we had the same problem. In fact, if you read Matthew's gospel, it's only one chapter ago, Matthew 14 and 15. Matthew 14, he fed 5,000, 15, he fed four. You would have, think, you would have just think Philip, somebody would have said, Jesus, we saw you feed all those people with five pieces of bread and two fish. You did it in the past. You're going to do it again. But look, that's not what they said. Look in verse 4. Then his disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? Now, my question is, how could the disciples have even asked that question? They had just seen Jesus. In the same wilderness, the same hillside area, with an even larger crowd, feed them, and there were 12 basketfuls left over, and Jesus is saying to them, now we've got a bunch of hungry people out there, and we need to feed them. And look, at it's just unthinkable. They said to him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? What had the disciples done? They had forgotten what Jesus had just done. They had forgotten the previous miracle. And as a result of their Failing to remember, failing to take the time to think, 
failing to stay in the mode of thanksgiving and praise, failing, failing to stay in an attitude of faith and expectancy, simply failing to remember what Jesus had done, now they're faced with a problem and they say, I don't see any way in the world that God's going to be able to do anything because look at, after all, look at all these people. What I'm saying to you tonight is when we fail to think about God's faithfulness to us in the past, all we end up doing is becoming overwhelmed by the problems that now confront us, and we become fearful about things we might face in the future that most, of like, most likely we never will even face them. But even if we do, God's going to be there. God's going to meet those needs. And so I'm talking to you tonight about the power of a good memory. Well, those disciples are such good sermon illustrations because we can all relate to them. They forgot that Jesus had fed those 5,000 and that he would certainly feed the 4,000 and that he could certainly take care of them during the storm out there on that Sea of Galilee. They forgot something he had done in the past, and as a result, their faith really, it just sunk. Sometimes we do the very same thing. We face a challenge today and we forget what God has done in the past. I want to encourage you, be a good rememberer. Be a good recaller. And always face today's challenges with yesterday's miracles in mind. And I want to just encourage you today to keep your focus on the Lord. Have a grateful heart. Be thankful to God for all He's done for you. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll be with us next time. <music> 